Well, like Rose says, I'm a mother of four boys. Two of my boys are one's 22, one's 19, and then I have an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old. And so we got a lot of different um, personalities in our home. We have a lot of different um, age-related activities. Um, and so it keeps me on my toes and before the Lord. And so this time when I've come before you, I've want to share a little bit of what I taught last year, but I felt like the Lord giving me a different direction as well. And so last year, um, I really focused on Psalms 90, verse 16 and 17. And after I, I'm going to pray, I'm going to read that to you all. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each household that is represented here. Um, I pray your covering over it. I pray that the love of Christ will prevail in those homes and that the children of those homes will come to know you as their Savior. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your word today with these women. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and that is the blessing I get today. I love being in God's word with other women. And so we're going to spend time hanging out with him. I don't have anything new or original to say, um, but God's word is what will stay with you. So that is my prayer today is that not what I say, but what God's word speaks to your heart, that that would um, go forward from this time together. Psalms 90, um, verse 16 and 17, it says, Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And so right there in verse 17, the Lord tells us he has work for us and he's the one that gives us this work and he established that work. And so the work that he has given us is motherhood. And... Some of us might have been married before we knew Christ. And so um, how we went about our homes first being established, um, Christ wasn't the center. But I want you guys to take hope and rejoice that where Christ has you now is he is drawing your heart to him. He is establishing your home to be a home in which he's glorified in and this work he has ordained. And so motherhood is a glorious work um, done unto the Lord that he will equip us and carry us and strengthen us through it. In verse 16, um, as we go about that work, he tells us that he will show his glorious power to their children. And so as we make him the main focus of our home, his glory will be known to our children through us. Um, and that is a humbling and awesome thing to comprehend. And so last year, I, I really just took time with those verses, and I took time um, just talking about um, our homes. And I'm, I'm still going to do this, but this past few weeks while I've been praying about and thinking about what to share with you guys, um, the Lord just kind of brought me to Matthew 13. And I want to ask if you guys will participate with me because the thing I love is being in God's word with women. So I don't want to be the only one reading God's word. So if you have your Bibles, would you mind um, if some of you guys re reading some verses for me? So if you could just raise your hand. I don't want to call on anybody who doesn't. And I'll hand you the verse in when it's your turn. Just um, read that out loud.
ya. I'm going to read um, Matthew 13, 14 through 15. Um, in this, it's kind of just Jesus is, t- um, in Matthew, is telling a lot of his parables at this time. The disciples are asking Jesus, you know, why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus um, then shares with the disciples um, something that God gave Isaiah to prophesy. And it says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never never perceive for the people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they barely hear and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and i would heal them blessed be are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear and this is our culture ladies at this point jesus is talking about he's talking you know, he's ministering to the Jews. There are the um, Pharisees and Sadducees of the Jewish culture. And he is telling the disciples, these men, like Isaiah said, they, they are not hearing, they are not perceiving um, the truth which I am speaking. But he tells the disciples they are. Their eyes are open, their ears are open, and their hearts are turned to God. And so God can heal them. And so we live in a culture where Christianity is still, praise the Lord, able to be spoken freely here and worship freely. And the Lord has blessed our community with many wonderful churches, but our community is full of dull ears and eyes. And so we need to rejoice that God has opened our ears and our eyes for his truth. And we need to pray that God will open our children's eyes and ears to his truth. And when we do that, the glorious thing that happens is he says he will heal us and he heals us from our sins. He takes our sins. But then he even goes further than that. After bearing our sins throughout our walk with him, he will heal the places that are broken inside of us that are not aligned with the glory of Christ. Um, And he will put his son in place of our brokenness. And so as we parent our children, we need to strive in our own personal relationship with Christ. And the lesson topic is disciplining and grace. Um, I like to think of discipling and grace. Um, And I will have to say, ladies, there are so many wonderful children rearing books out there, but there is not a formula. Our children are very each unique in their strengths and their weaknesses. Our homes are all different, and they're different in not a wrong way. God has made our husbands different, us different. And so all of this will come into play as we parent and show Christ to our families. But the thing that isn't different is God's command on us and what we are to look like as believers. And so this morning, I want us to encourage each other in his word through some of the passages that we are about to read. And as we encourage each other with his word, um, we can bring that to our homes and we can encourage our children and we can encourage our spouses. Um, So the first realm, I have this circle up here, it's repentance, hope, trust, and thanksgiving. I look at this as circular because a lot of times in my life, 
you know, all day long as believers, we should be moving through this mode. We should be moving through having a spirit of thanksgiving, a spirit of hope and trust in Christ, a spirit of, of willingness to repent from our, our sins throughout our days. I mean, even, even this morning, and I was thinking about all you guys because you have littler ones that make it a little bit difficult to get out of the house. But my nine-year-old is just chatty, chatty, chatty. He's usually not chatty. This morning, he wants to talk about Ted Cruz. I, I don't even, I mean, just questions I didn't even know. And it's just going, and I, and I could just feel myself, the frustration coming because my mind is already going in 101 different places. I'm like, Lord, please establish my thoughts this morning. Do I have all the things that I need to pack up for these boys so they can do schoolwork while I'm, I'm with the ladies? And so my mind is just very pulled apart. And so hearing him chatter, um, I don't feel a blessing there. I feel frustration. And so I want to just turn and go, I need you to be quiet. And... Um, and sometimes the spirit grabs hold of that before I let that come out of my mouth. And, but the times when I do let that frustration and anger come out of my mouth, it needs to be repented of. And, and so all day long, we're in as a place of, of needing repentance. And it's a glorious thing because it really allows us to see the goodness of Christ and what he has done for us by dying for, for all our sins. And it allows me to um, fight pride that comes into my life. Because we cannot truly repent in a way that is glorifying to God without having a, a humble spirit. And so our first verse, if you have um, 2 um, Corinthians 7.14... Chronicles, yes, thank you. Second Chronicles. All those verses had the same thread, which is it speaks of repentance, but it speaks of repentance in such a glorious way because he says that um, once we repent, he heals us. It tells us that if we are really his child, he will discipline us. And godly discipline does lead to repentance. And so these are... These truths tell us the posture as Christians we need to cultivate in our day. And it also gives us hope and trust in why we, why we repent. And so as, as we learn God's word, it stirs our hearts and aligns our days in which we then can come along our children. Our children are not born with God's Holy Spirit. They are um, darkened. They do not know him. And so all of our motherly aim is that they would know this glorious Savior that died for them. And a lot of times in our culture, as moms, we feel so much pressure on how are we educating our children? Are we giving them enough opportunities with sports or music? Um, and those are great pursuits. Those are wonderful things. But they, they, will, they will not go with our children into eternity and so we have to fight against a culture that puts the priority on everything wrong. And we have to live like Christ has told us, that we will be different. We are, we are pilgrims. We, we will not look like those around us. And so we have to structure our home in a way that we can 
live before our children these principles of repentance, hope, and trust, and thanksgiving. And so that might look different in everybody's home. Um, I'm not a, a person that can... Um, I'm more of a, an introvert than an extrovert, so I know I need more time to be by myself. And so if I'm with, when all the four boys were at home, if we had multiple activities, I would have just been worn into the ground and had nothing left for Christ in my day, or even the, uh, the ability to allow the Holy Spirit to get control over my responses towards them. And so have the freedom to um, get in prayer with your husband and ask the Lord, what, what should our home look like? How, what, what are our strengths and weaknesses? So that we can go about and have a home that is reflecting repentance, hope, trust, and thanksgiving. This should not be on the side. This needs to be the center. And that is mostly what we battle all the time. There's a constant throughout the years that I've been a mom, the, this, this, this is constantly a fight to pull this to the center. And, and you'll go through a couple weeks and reevaluate and I'm like, Lord, this is slipping. What, what, this is slipping over here. Why is it slipping? Why has this become more of a priority? And, and evaluating that. And so um, we're going to move on to verses about hopes and trust. Um, I have them. And one of the, it's Psalm 71, verse 5 through 6. I read this, ladies, and I chuckled because um, this is how, I'm going to show you how I read my Bible. <laughs> it says, Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I've leaned before my birth. For you took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually before you. Um, David wrote this, and I'm going, David, what are you talking about? You've leaned on God before you were born. What? Um, so this is how my mind works. And so then, as I'm saying this and thinking this through, the Lord says, brings me back to this, this, the second part of verse 6, where it says, You who took me from my mother's womb. And all of us know that when we have the joy of, of giving birth to a baby, that it's God. <laughs> you have no control. You can't say, well, you know what? Today's just not the day we're going to be born. I just don't feel up to it. I didn't really have a good night's rest the day before. So you know what? We're just going to stop this whole process. We're going to put it on hold, and we're just going to regroup for maybe tomorrow. Once that process starts, we have to... We, there is nothing to stop it. And God starts that process. And God carries us through. And he carries our children through. And so I was like, yes, David, you are acknowledging that the Lord, you were leaning on the Lord even as that tiny baby in your mama's womb. Because only the Lord could have brought him through. And so... I love that verse now. I love to think about the gift that God has given us as women to really comprehend that. Um, our husbands can't. And that we can speak that to our children. That we can let them know that even on the day of their birth, and even as God knit them in our womb, they were leaning on him. 
and even though that they weren't able to acknowledge it yet. In our prayers that one day our children, like David, would be able to see that from the moment of their conception, they were leaning on God. Our next verse on hope and trust is 1 Thessalonians 16 through 17. And it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, and with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. I chose these two scriptures because the whole of our walk with Christ, um, even, even those who do not acknowledge Christ here on earth, he, 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 the rain falls on the just and unjust. He is a part of every human being's existence, be it we acknowledge it or not. And so our goal is, as parents is that we want to teach our children to see God all throughout their life. From the moment that they are leaning on him um, through birth to the moment that God will catch up his people um, in, to heaven. And so as, as you read your word um, throughout your week, look for those verses that bring hope and trust particularly in areas that maybe you see a, a child, some of our children struggles with anxiety, some of our children struggle with um, feeling accepted. And so ask God to give you verses that sh can give your children hope and trust in him. The last um, verse we're going to focus on is the first part of Psalms 103. It's a Psalms of Thanksgiving. A couple weeks ago, um, I heard a sermon of, um, from a man that spoke on Psalms 103, and I think he just did a great job of talking about we always give thanks to something. And he um, spoke about sports. He said, you can see what people are thankful for by just spending an hour with them. And if their joy and thanksgiving is in their sports team, that will come out. They will, you just cannot stop talking about it, particularly if they're having a good season. And so, ladies, that kind of, some of us love sports. Some of us um, have other things that we just enjoy. Maybe we enjoy preparing our home and with a place that is pleasant to be in. And so when we're with our girlfriends, we like to talk about just how we've set up a room um, maybe it's enjoying shopping. And um, so we, we share those things. We, we rejoice in those things. And so to me, Psalms 103 is a great psalm to say to myself, Lord, am I rejoicing in you? Throughout my day with my children, if they look back on my life with them, what are they going to say that mama really just couldn't stop talking about? What are they going to really say mom rejoiced in? What, what is naturally coming from her mouth? Psalms 103 says, Blessed the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of our iniquities and heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. David is joyful and thankful because he has taken the time to meditate 
on who God is. He knows the Lord. He knows the Lord is the one that has taken him out of his pits. He knows the Lord is the one that forgives. He knows that the Lord is the one that heals. And so we have to cultivate within our own life a spirit of thankfulness towards the Lord. Our children have to hear that. That, that. I think that one of the easiest tools that Satan can get us is a spirit of unthankfulness. And, and if we really ponder our life in our internal man, the man that we constantly are dialoguing with, that no one else hears, we could, we could be most of our day thankful. But how much is that really coming out upon our children? How much do they perceive that thankfulness? Or do they just perceive more of, you know, mom is trying to get, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, you haven't done this. You haven't done that. Um, which is part of our jobs. We're there to train them in those things. But it cannot outweigh the thankfulness. And so with, with this, I want to talk about some examples of what, we, what you guys can kind of maybe apply to your daily life with your children. If our children don't see us repent, then I think it makes it harder for them to understand their own need of repentance. And, and so look, rejoice in those opportunities when your sin comes out at times. I am going to sin. My kids are going to sin. The aim is not perfection. If we had, if our aim was perfection, and if our aim was to let our children know that everything they did was right, they would not have a need for a Savior. And we have, we have totally missed the, the purpose of why God has given us these children. And so... How we respond to our sin will be key to helping our children understand their own need. And so, like I mentioned before, when, not if, when I am short with my children or when they see me respond in a way that I know is not aligned to what Christ has called us as Christians to demonstrate and walk in, I need to repent and I need to repent before them. And making time in your day and just stop and say, I'm going to use my two younger boys' names, Michael and Caleb, I need you to stop with me because mom has just spoken in a way that is full of unkindness. And the Lord has told us that our word should be kind. So will you come and pray with me? And pray and ask the Lord, Lord, forgive me for my unkindness. May your son Jesus come into our home, and into my words, and fill this house with kindness. And then just say, thank you, boys, for praying with Mama. Thank you for being patient, why she has been unpatient. And then go about your day. It doesn't have to take more than 30 seconds. The thing you want to fight against, though, is a lot of our impatience at times as mamas has to deal with our children's sin. And they're, or they're just really just pushing on you and wearing you down. And so we have to fight against when we repent, not to say, well, I got frustrated because you just would not let up. Okay, because we live in a culture that, oh, nobody wants responsibility. 
people justify their actions. And so we have to raise men and women who will take responsibility of their sins without placing the blame. And so you can model that. And, this, and, and when your children come to Christ, you will be amazed that the Holy Spirit will speak truth to them about their own sin. As you repent for your impatience, do not be surprised when that child who is saved looks at you and go, Mama, I'm sorry too. I really was pushing your buttons. And that's what our aim is, that they are sensitive to the Spirit and desire to be transformed by the power of Christ. When we are presented with hope and trust daily, our kids need to see where we put our hope and trust. Um, if you are at a home and the Lord has given you guys the, the, the struggle of financial burden, let him be glorified in that. Let your children see that, yes, there's bills and there's things that we can and cannot do, but our hope and trust is in the Lord and he provides. And how is he going to provide? Instead of letting financial issues become more of a source of conflict in your home. Um, in your home, hope and trust might need to be in an area of, like I spoke before, a child who st struggles with anxiety, low self-esteem, insecurity, um, peer pressure at school. Constantly bring to them where our hope and trust needs to be. And we do that by our own life. And sharing with them, share with them, like, oh, this is a truth the Lord has given me. I've seen that. He is, he, our hope is that eternally we will be with him in heaven. And I just feel lately, I've just been focused too much on things on this earth. Let's just, let's all take some time and talk about things that we are excited about when heaven comes. And just spend, spend that time cultivating that our hope is in heaven with Christ. Our trust is in the promises that Christ has given us that if we belong to him, that we will live forever. And that is a hard concept for children. We are born thinking we are indestructible. I, and, and still, I think my 22-year-old, I, I, my I don't know if it's a boy thing, they, they, and I think it's great because they are zealous for life, but cause and effect and safety and all those things are way on the parameter. Um, but the Lord has created our men um, uniquely and in fashion in that way. But even at 9 and 11 and 19 and 22, we want them to understand um, what the scripture says and that life is a vapor. And so look to establish that in their thoughts, that, this, that we are not living for this world, we're living for the world to come. The, um, when we do that, we are raising them to see the good and glorious God. Um, we are raising them to see that Christ isn't a, per, a Christ is not looking for perfection. He's looking for people who know they need a savior. And so when we live that life of repentance and hope and thanksgiving before our children, the Lord can cultivate their hearts and turn their eyes to them. Throughout our days, um, we need to pray that God will open our children's eyes our eyes and hearts. Um, we need to trust the Lord for that. 
Um, and we need to be, at the same time, not overtaken by the enemy when things are hard or when that teenager seems hard-hearted for the things of the Lord or that child has not given their life to the Lord and now they're an adult. Um, I was raised in a Christian home by loving parents. My parents were saved during the Jesus movement of the 70s. They both came out of non-believing homes, no history of Christ in either of those homes. They decided to marry at 19 and 20, had their children very quickly. And, um, and so there, ours was a home where Christ was first, um, but it also was a home where my parents did not have the blessing of coming from a Christian home and how to even put that into practice. And nor do they always belong to churches that develop discipleship. Um, my dad was in the Air Force, so we moved every two years. And so it was really hit or miss if we found a good church. But with all that, what my parents knew was that they had a faithful God and that the Lord says that we are to bring all our requests before him. And so the moment that my parents knew that they had children, they prayed for our salvation. And that prayer was not fully brought to completion until I was 22. And so I rejoice in my parents' steadfast prayer. And I rejoice that they, as they prayed, they did not tolerate sin, but I knew I had unconditional love from them. And so um, as you parent, um, do not get weary. If it's 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, pray for those boys and girls. Trust the Lord. And yes, we grieve as mamas over choices that we know are hurting them and harmful, but keep your focus on Christ. Um, before I conclude, I don't know, Rose, am I doing good on time? Okay. A couple of tools. Like I said, I know I don't have like a formula like do X, Y, and Z. I know it's more, we just been in God's word, but, um, but for me, that, that's what I need. I need his Spirit to be strong in my heart as I parent these children in a culture that has no desire for Christ to be in it. Um, there is a website, it's called the Gospel Coalition. Um, one of my favorite things, I started this like a year and a half ago, I found on it, I wrote this up here if you guys are interested. If you go to their website and hit the toolbar that, and it has projects on it, they have this catechism, it's called New City Catechism. And you can download it. I have it on my, um, I put it on my iPad, and me and my little boys, I, I love it. And if you, I don't know if you were raised in church, but catechisms are just foundational truths of the gospel that we all need. And so this great little, little app, the way they have it set up, and like it's for children and parents, or I mean, so I am going along with my kids in doing this. But you see here, you hit question one, and this is what you'll have. What is our only hope in life and death? And so it gives you a scripture, and then you will tap on here, and you can get, it'll give you the answer that we are not our own, we belong to, our, we belong to God. Well, my children are old enough, my, older, my younger two boys, we memorize these. 
But if you have a little bitty one at home, there's a song. And so you don't even, so you could just play the song where they can learn the song, learn that truth that they are not their own, they belong to God. And so I went on the, this website last night just to make sure this was still here because I had um, downloaded that a year and a half ago and I saw they had this new thing called Songs for Saplings. And these are songs off of the Catechism of the Westminster Confession of Faith. And there's like 111 little songs and it's for little people. Don't you love that saplings? I love, I love, I thought that is really what they are. And so I was excited for that because I know a lot of you guys have little ones that they're not ready yet to memorize, but they can learn a song. And so hide God's word in their heart. Hide it. They don't even know why you're singing that little song, but when they're eight, they're going to know those truths. And God can use those truths to reveal himself to them. Also, it... Um, I want my boys to know that I am in the process of sanctification as well and that I'm in a relationship with the Lord. And so a lot of times in our churches, we have great programs. I love the children's program here. And um, there's Bible verses the children can memorize through the week um, and months here at ECBC. And they are rewarded. Um, And so the child at home sees the parents saying, hey, memorize your verse. And then they go to church and, hey, do you know your verse? So our children need to see us memorizing God's word. And I encourage you ladies to pick a verse and that you have on your heart to memorize. And if your child, even if your child is only three, say, can you hold this piece of paper? Mama is trying to memorize God's word. And I'm going to say it. And of course, that little baby's not going to know how to read the words on that paper, but they're going to go, mom wants me to help them. Hi, God's word in her heart. And then when your child is six, seven, and eight, they they will be able to read and go, you're wrong there. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't say that. It says this, make that a part of your home. I think we require our children to memorize, but rarely do us adults memorize. And I think we should be doing it more than um, honestly, what we expect out of our children. Um, another thing, I know getting in God's word, Satan attacks that. Um, so I encourage you, be it through Bible study, um, through accountability, um, just make time for him. It could just be one verse a day. Um, when you have really small kids at home, no, you don't have any time to yourself. You really don't. And, and, I, and I was never a mom that could set the alarm an hour before my kids got up. The first reason is, A, um, I, I am not a morning person. And so I would just sit there and nod my head over the scriptures. And then the other thing is they always knew I was awake too. Be 20, 30 minutes, it's like, she's up. Let's get up with her. And so your quiet time as a mom of five and under, can be my Bible is open on the counter and I know where I want to read or what I feel like God is asking me to memorize, but it's open on the counter and when I can just stop because they are happy for a moment, I'm just going to come and read a line and thank God for that. That's all, ladies. That is it. And your children will see his word on the counter. He will, they will see their mom going to it. 
And you can even say, oh, guess what mama just read? This says that this is what we can hope in, that God says he's preparing a place for us in heaven. What do you think that looks like? And that brings us to my last scripture, which we've all heard before. It's Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9. And it says, And these are the words that I command you today, and, you sh- and that shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk with them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be, at a, be as a frontless upon your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so the Lord needs not to be on the peripheral of our days. We don't want to raise our children where the Lord is Sunday morning, um, youth group on Wednesday night, but there's no other realm in which they really put Christ in a content. You don't want them in the content of Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. They, that, is, that should be the peripheral. The content should be Christ in our day. And as we have Christ in our day, my, we go worship him on Sunday mornings. And my church has a youth group. We have to have him in our days. I love when it says write him on our hands because I can't see my forehead. And so, but I see my hand all the time. We see our hands diaper those babies. We see our hands helping them with their homework. And so I love that, that it needs to be on our hands. And I, I was saying, again, I'm talking, to, I always talk to her, why, why on our foreheads? Because I can't see it. But, you know, my children see our foreheads. And I see my kids. And I see my husband's. And so if we strive as a family to have Christ in all of our homes, then we're going to be reflecting that back to each other, encouraging each other. Um, the, that's all I have for you guys. Um, do you guys have any questions? You can ask me a question about my family, um, how I handle maybe certain situations um, with raising kids. Well, I thank you so much for letting me share today. Um, I know that there are struggles with parenting with every season, and I encourage you, if you're in a hard season, to really find somebody who can walk with you. Because as women, sometimes we need to verbalize the stresses. But I pray for you all that when you look for that person, it needs to be a godly woman who will listen to you, but then say, we need to hear what God says. And we need to follow his truth. We we don't want to fall into the trap of relationships among our women friends where we grumble, complain, and we get more of a pat on the back. I know what you mean. It's da-da-da-da-da-da-da. We need to have that girlfriend that says, I hear the struggle you're in, and I am so blessed to be the one to walk with you. Let's pray. And I'm going to ask God that as I spend time with him, he'll give me some encouraging words from his word to strengthen you during this time. And then the other thing, ladies, this is for myself, but if you have a teenage or young adult child, or it could be somebody you're very close to who needs prayer. I have a passion for praying for that age group. And so before you leave, if you can give me their name, I will pray for them.
because um, I believe in the power of prayer and that in the midst of a child's rebellion, the Spirit can speak to them. That is my testimony, the testimony of my brother. As my brother in much rebellion laid upon his bed, the Holy Spirit came to him and he was saved at 20. So I know the God I worship and he's a God of miracles and he is a God that is passionate, passionate to redeem his people. Thank you so much.